Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 184 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 81 through 83, where our heroes play arcade games in a cave, the Goblin King's theme is all over the map, and Kurama proves he's a hero by causing the death of a child. I mean, nothing is more heroic than killing a small child. Uh, I couldn't finish that with a with a, a without like a question mark at the end of it. Maybe maybe this one is is one of those morally gray areas <laughs> inside of it. Yeah, you know, the morally gray areas of causing child death. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh it's just what it is. Uh oh god, we're going to cause another Spotify uproar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump in. <laughs> Oh, did I have news this week? No. Yeah. There's I'm not still, a lot of anime I've been playing a lot news. of Digimon. I have a friend here, Chris, who bought a deck, and we've been playing, and he's, his other deck comes soon, and we're going to play more, and um, found out one of my local game stores is now selling packs, and so I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about this thing that real quick, though, that's going on with the Patreon, because I, we mentioned it in our Monday episode... <laughs> Uh, but I don't know if we mentioned it last week. Um, yeah, that was forever ago. So here's the thing, guys. Uh, we're starting to do more stuff on our Patreon. I am still in the works of changing over um, our, our Patreon pretty drastically. Um, so if y'all are interested in getting in, um, you'll still be getting uh, content, even more content now. Um, we're going to be doing more like behind-the-scenes stuff as well, uh, releasing it on Patreon. Patreon, so maybe uh, more people would be interested in doing something like that. If you would like to be a part of that, or if you have some ideas of like what you want from a Patreon, please let us know. Um, shoot it over inside of our Discord. Write to us on any of our social media accounts, um, and uh, we're we're happy to get input from what people want. Um, I'm also trying to see if I can take some kind of like wacky ideas from uh, you know other other people. Think of things that we can do that might be weird or out of the box but uh yeah. that's that's all i have other than the fact that uh i've been i've been hardlining jujutsu kaisen um <laughs> uh, i uh i decided that i really really wanted to watch the anime through um and uh it does not disappoint uh i i am pretty far into the anime now and watching the animated fights is really really fantastic um the only thing that I have noticed about the anime that I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of it. And I think it's because I've been ruined by um, anime that have just like fantastic swelling, um, you know, soundtracks behind them, or they have really surprising, interesting soundtracks behind them is that Jujutsu Kaisen doesn't always hit me in the right spot of exactly what music I'm expecting in the moment. However, I do think that they do a really good job of it. I just don't think that it would be my music choice, but the music does a good job of like conveying the tone. Um, it's just... 
it's just me falling uh, along that line of being like ah, I don't know if it's a if it's the if it's what I would have chosen in each one of the moments. Uh, there, there's yeah. a fight. It, people that are caught up with Jujutsu, um, this is the one that really stood out to me most recently. There's a fight under a bridge, and that's all I'll give away of what it is because it's a pretty big spoiler if you know more than that. Um, and uh, if you know what I'm talking about, the climax of that fight that occurs between the brothers afterwards, uh, it the music choice seems a little odd to me, um, but it it does it does a pretty good conveyance of tone. Um, but it just I, I don't think I would have chosen what they chose. Um, <laughs> it's it's That's like. And I felt that way about Jujutsu a couple of times too. Like even uh, the way that they do their like mid, uh, it's like mid commercial break or midway through break oh, yeah, where they the go little, to commercial like, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it it just seems a little bit like funky to me. Um, but that's just that's just you know the way that I I feel about the aspects or the not the aspects of it, but like the. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's the aesthetic. The aesthetic mm-hmm. of it is, it doesn't seem to match exactly with what's happening with the rest of the show. Um, and I I, I feel a, a couple of times that this is one of the reasons why I think Jujutsu is a fantastic anime and a fantastic manga, but the anime itself has like a couple of little weird oddities to it that make it to where it's just like, it It feels like it's an A plus anime instead of like an S tier anime. And I, mm-hmm. I wonder if like, that's, that's one of the only it, it's, it's like the people that are adapting it are missing like a little bit of style points, you know? Um, yeah, it's interesting because you're talking about the music and uh, like, I know that this is going to sound dumb to people, but like my initial reaction was like, I mean, that doesn't matter that much. And then I was like, well, actually music is huge. Like, oh yeah, it's probably, unless it's like really beyond the pale, it is probably not going to break an otherwise good series. Correct. But, uh, I mean, you look at something like my, I would say my hero academia has some of the best, music i've seen in an anime and that story is really good but boy does the music just push it that much farther uh, oh yeah Naruto does that bleach i think to a different extent because yeah. that's a little bit more of a swing that bleach is taking yeah uh, and it doesn't always work but it you know it's sort of like they do those are good examples of like getting you in the right headspace for what is going on and sort of like especially my hero academia so much about like big emotional swells and big moments and the music is all big emotional swells and it's so good yeah and i mean one of the things that uh, i think that um is done so well inside of some of the anime that you can think of that are like uh, you know this is obviously an s tier when it's it's built in is like the the sound the soundtrack and the audio world that they create for you is so fucking important um two mm-hmm. great examples of this um just because we we talk about Cowboy Bebop so often Cowboy Bebop is an obvious representation of this but there are two other ones that come to mind so uh samurai champloo does a very very good job of both ambience 
and a soundtrack that is against type, but also it has a really cool spin on it, which is that it has like a, a, a hip hop theme that is going to be running underneath the entire show. And when you have these samurai battles, it plays with that music underneath it as well. And then if I'm talking about like pure ambience, like, uh, or like there is, there is possibly none better than Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, the way that they do the sound in moments, um, especially like there, there's moments where, you know, people are having like complete breakdowns. I'm looking at you, Shinji. Um, and when he's having a complete breakdown, it's uh, sometimes they'll, they'll do it with both the, uh, images that you're seeing on screen where the images will start flashing at you or there will be like a an alarm going off or something inside of his cockpit. And at the same time, the the sound inside of the cockpit is so loud and it's almost as if you're like caught inside of his head with him. Um, and that's one of the things that I think takes a a really great anime and turns it into like a masterpiece. It's it's yeah. really marrying everything together, and it's it's one of the things that I think is lost a lot of times inside of a good show is that people will be like, oh, it's it's really good for X X and X, and I'm like, yeah, but also if if you if you put on your headphones and you are completely transported to the world of the show, um, that is another thing that you should pay attention to because it's 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 just massively important. Yeah, I I uh I watched a video uh, years ago now that was on um it it was on the reasons why the MCU was missing a definitive soundtrack. It was pretty early on. It may have been after Age of Ultron, um but basically it took them a while to really integrate the Avengers theme into their movies and their promotional material. And that was one of the arguments that they made was like, it's not that the Avengers don't have a theme. It's that you're not hearing that theme during, you know, trailers. You're not, it's just like not prominent enough. And so like, if you ask random people on the street, what is the Avengers theme? They're not going to be able to hum it for you. Whereas Mm -hmm. now that is very much not the case. And I would say that they did a good job in the uh, intervening time, sort of between Ultron and like Endgame, in bringing in that Avengers theme, expounding on it, putting it in. I can to, like uh, you said that, and it's it it plays in my head now. Oh yeah, da, you can hear it. Na, na, and, na, 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 yeah, na, na. and it's like you think about. I mean, here's spoilers for uh, Endgame, which is a, a couple of years old, so I'm not gonna apologize for the spoilers, but these are spoilers. Uh, near the end of Endgame, when the portals moment happens, that uh, that is this huge thing. And if you know anything about the story, if you're making sort of meta analyses of what happened, you're probably expecting something like this. But it's really well executed. But the fact that they they do that moment, you have this great this great sequence, and then they put this like sweeping triumphant brass music score underneath it that swells into the Avengers theme on Steve Rogers' line is so good. And it is like that scene is great, but that music is what pushes you over the edge to like tearing up during that moment Mm. or feeling those chills sweep over your body. So again, it's one of those things where it's like lacking the theme doesn't necessarily make a good thing into a bad thing. 
But having the theme or having those that music hit on point makes a good thing into a great thing for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, we have well, other stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> hey, Blake, uh, tell us what happened previously on Yu Yu Hakusho. Semen. Uh, oh, God. What? Uh, so, um, Yu Yu Hakusho is a story about Yusuke Urameshi. He is a middle school delinquent who is killed one day doing a good deed. The afterlife is like, man, we thought you were a worse person than this. Now we don't know what to do with you. So we're going to give you the chance to come back to life. And uh, he succeeds and comes back to life and then discovers that he has the ability to see spiritual beings that he was unaware of previously. The afterlife is like, because of all that, you're going to work for us now and we're going to make you into what's called a spirit detective and send you on little missions to help us uh, deal with spiritual beings that are causing ruckus in the human world. Um, So Yusuke goes on various missions and makes various allies while doing so. Oh, Uh, um, he he was just talking um, about the house stuff. He uh, meets two demons. One is named Karama and one is named Hiei. Karama is a demon that has uh, possessed a human. So he's sort of like a half demon and he's very chill and very sort of emotional and um, and very like very much like a protagonist. And Hiei is your Vegeta type. He is the bad guy who's not doing bad things because it's more advantageous for him to do the good things. But you're kind of always like, OK, I mean, like at this point, is he really still a bad guy or not? Very Vegeta-esque. Um, that is Hiei. Uh, Yusuke also had a human friend named Kuwabara, really kind of a frenemy, who uh, also developed supernatural powers just by the merit of having happened to be born with a high spiritual awareness. And so they've sort of become a uh, group of four um, going on different missions together. Uh, They uh, are currently on a mission to find and... uh, Oh, hey, uh, did we drop... (laughs) My uh, oh. my thing got messed up. Okay, are we still good? Are we still recording? Uh, I I had to start my recording over because I I uh, I was trying to figure out my phone st- situation. Um, okay. Did you finish talking about the previous? I'm, I'm at a transition point in the previously on. So if you want to clap and then I can keep going. Uh, sure. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Okay, go. So now Yusuke is on a mission to find the previous spirit detective, which is a guy named Sensui. Uh, like I said, he was he was basically Yusuke before Yusuke came along. But then he watched this thing called the Chapter Black, which is a VHS. Uh, it's kind of like streaming, but more manual labor is involved. Um And that contains essentially a highlight reel of all of the terrible things that humans have done to each other over the many, many years that humans have been around. And um, that caused Sensui to essentially lose his faith in humanity and decide that the best solution is to just uh, burn it all down. Uh, He specifically would like to burn it all down by opening a portal to the demon world. Uh, All of the powerful demons that Yusuke and co. have fought in the past are uh, essentially complete pushovers to the types of demons that are not able to get through the portal currently because of the way it's constructed. And since we would like to change that so that he can unleash hell on earth and sort of raise humanity to the ground. Uh, He has a a couple of people working with him. One of them goes by the codename of Seaman. He was 
uh, a villain who has defected to the hum to the uh, hero's side uh, after realizing that the uh, good guys are not bad guys, essentially. Um, and so he's kind of helping them navigate the enemy base, uh, which they are outside of, I believe, at or right after the beginning of these episodes. Um, so they want to they want to find Sensui and stop him from opening the portal. Uh, Sensui and Co have kidnapped Kuwabara because Kuwabara's got a sword technique that it turns out can slash through the barriers between dimensions. And so they are waiting a little bit until I think the barrier is closer to opening, and they're going to use one of the uh, one of Sensui's. Uh, goons has the ability to consume the power of another. And so they're going to try and steal Kuwabara's power and open this thing up. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, the uh, afterlife guy who's been sending Yusuke on all these missions, Koenma, is going to go and ask his father, King Enma, for a special uh, uh, a special permission to try and deal with this demon portal situation as well. Um, I think that's everything you need to know so that we can pick up with uh, Yu Yu Hakusho episode 81. All right, Yu Hakusho episode 81 is going to be the first episode where we get to meet a a character that we're going to learn to love really fast and then immediately have him removed from us. It's called Let the Games Begin. Um and we're going to go down into this cave and uh I believe Blake had it phrased inside of our notes that uh, semen leads everyone inside of the cave, which is just uh, just chef's it's gonna kiss. Keep coming. Like, um, the semen is going to keep coming until we're all through with it, you know? Okay. So um, Game Master is going to be the next person that they're going to be coming in uh, into a battle with. His territory is basically a big giant screen um, with a... Uh, it's it's set up kind of like a like a big arcade room where there's like a a, a couple of pe- like podiums that you can stand at that have like arcade set up joysticks and buttons and yeah. he is as the game master going to battle against you um and he represents the game and also if you are in the moment of uh, playing like a game where you're playing against somebody, he will either play against you as the final boss, or it will be somebody that is a lower tier person that is going to go against you in this game that he has created for you, which is called, yeah, he's, uh, it's called like Goblin Master or Goblin Quest. Goblin King or something. Goblin he King, is yeah. playing the Goblin King. I think it's maybe like Lair of the Goblin King or something. Also, his real name is Amanuma, which is not particularly relevant but i just kept being like amanama and that was really just distracting me during these episodes but um, yeah instead instead in my head every time i saw his name come up uh i could only think um the numa numa dance (laughs) (laughs) um i'm glad that we're both stupid in the same way um so different ways still stupid (laughs) (laughs) so his power will we will see sort of more specifics of how it works uh, before these episodes are over with. Um, So I'm just going to sort of like not jump ahead, but I'm going to pull that information from the future into the now to explain that like, we will discover that the game that they are playing is a real life arcade game that he like uh, the game master's ability is essentially to take, to take that real life arcade game and create this sort of like, better version of a space to play it in 
And uh, one thing I, I neglected to say during our previously on is that the people in this arc are psychics. They are not demons. And so their powers work a little bit differently than what we've seen in the past, which has basically been a sort of sliding scale of anime badass. In this, the psychics have weird powers that create special rules that you must play within. So you can't just punch out the game master. You can't fight your way through it. You have to play by his rules, essentially. And so they are they become trapped in his... Uh, the word Spencer used earlier uh, is territory. And you have to defeat him essentially on his terms in order to progress out of his territory and keep on making your way to Sensui. And so we will find out later on that his territory is essentially just a game system with two controllers and the cartridge for the Goblin King game stuck in it. And then his psychic ability is to blow that up into these like two pedestals with the joysticks on it and this big screen TV where they're watching the game happen. Um but that's that's all there is to it. And, and the reason I'm pointing this out, other than it's sort of like generally interesting, is that this is a real world game that the game master mastered as just a person who liked to go to the arcade a lot. But he didn't create it. And so he is able to sort of like manipulate the game in his favor because he's really good at playing it. But he didn't make the game, and the rules of the game seem like they are more or less dictated by the game cartridge rather than by his psychic powers. So he is in control of the situation because he's super good at playing this game, and not because he is like twisting things into his into his favor outside of just being atypically skilled, if that makes sense. And that will be relevant. <laughs> Yeah. So the the first thing that is going to happen inside of this is that Seaman is going to get into a battle. Um, first, it's a a like tennis match, um, uh-huh. and Cause, he is okay. Because going- because this game is weird, right? It's it is a game in which the frame story is you are a warrior trying to defeat the Goblin King. And in order to defeat the Goblin King, you must best him. I think it's like best four out of seven at a series of mini games. And those mini games are just whatever the hell. Like it is yeah. not Goblin themed. Like they play tennis and then they have like a battleship fighter jet thing. And then there's just like a quiz and then there's Tetris <laughs> and it's just all over the map. And none of it has anything it is, to do with goblins or kings. It's, it's Tetris in like it, Tetris for people who love math, but we'll get to Oh that my God. Later. It's like, it's like high pressure, high speed Sudoku Tetris or something. Like I, I'm not sure that this would be a playable game outside of a very small subset of like math geniuses. Like it looks yeah. so hard. We'll explain it when we get there. Yeah. So Seaman is going to win his tennis match. That takes us into episode 82. If you yeah, could also, play of, forever. Yeah. Of note, the game master does not play the tennis match. The NPC that you would play if you were in the arcade is who Seaman plays against. Yes. And the game like determines the difficulty of the N- NPC sort of randomly, but like game master essentially is posing as the goblin King uh, or is playing the role of the goblin King. And as such is like letting the, the sort of like algorithmically generated minions of the game take point at this, at this juncture. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So, uh, so the next person up that's going to play is going to be Genkai. She gets this game where she's uh, flying around inside of a helicopter, destroying a battleship, and she destroys it pretty easily. Um, yeah. And then it turns um, out if you are a spirit world martial arts master, you have a lot of free time on your hands, and you use that free time to master a human world arcade game. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Yusuke is going to have an uh, one where he's going to fight a, against a whole bunch of different goblins. He also wins that with relative ease. Um, and then it starts getting difficult because, because they are moving into the stage where they will have won the entire thing if they win their next one. Um, it's going to be the moment where the Goblin King is going to step up, which is going to be, again, uh, Amanuma, who's going to step up, and he's going to start playing against people. He plays against Kaito, and they play this game that's like, uh, you per, you uh, are asked questions, and it's like a yeah, quiz it, show. The and- game is trivia. Yes. Where they ask you a question, provide you the answers, and then whoever buzzes in first gets to answer. And if they get three answers wrong, they're out. But both of these guys are the most and Mm -hmm. are playing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So Kaito first reveals that if he sees like the first word of one of the questions, he can figure it out because he's memorized it. And it turns out that all 7,000 questions. Correct. Um, And Amanuma reveals that he knows them from just the number of the question, which is ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) He basically like Kaito is like, I am unbeatable at this because I have memorized them so much. So, that I know which question is being asked based off of just like the first character that appears. And uh, if it, the game is such that if they start, so they start asking the question, the question starts appearing sort of word by word. Yes. Once Jeopardy that, rules. Yeah. And once the question has appeared, then the answers appear. It's an A, A B, C, D answers. If you buzz in before the question is done appearing, it stops appearing. So what you've seen is what you get. And yeah. the answers haven't shown up yet. So you just have to blindly pick A through D. Yeah. And Kaito has memorized the the answers are always in the same place. So Kaito has memorized the questions and knows if the answer is A, B, C, or D for each question based off of the first character. And everybody is like, oh, shit, like this nerd is going to win easy because <laughs> there's no way to beat that. But I, I could well, tell where this out, was going. It turns out game, your nerd isn't as strong as our nerd. Who, oh, yeah. A, again, game, game Master it, has this ability, so him memorizing all this kind of stuff kind of makes sense. But Kaito, it's like, you did this independently. You're just doing this on your spare time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Game Master is like an actual child with like no life, so... I see it. Whereas Kaito is a teenager with no life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Kaito so game really master laid. <laughs> oh my God. So badly. So game master is like, I, I think the rules are that if you get three questions wrong throughout the round, you're you lose. But if you get seven, right, you win. I want to say, yeah. Um, And Game Master is like, I'm going to even give you an advantage. I am not even going to answer at all for the first five questions. And during those five questions is when Kaito demonstrates, like, I am unbeatable at this game because I have memorized the questions based off of the first character. Except 
Game Master has done him one better by figuring out the algorithm by which the order of questions is determined. And it takes five questions in order to figure out what today's algorithm is going to be. But once you've figured it out, the next questions will always be what they are going to be because it is algorithmically generated. It's not randomly generated. And yes. so he starts to answer the questions before even the first character has shown up. He's got a blank screen and he is correctly answering the trivia questions and yeah. Kaito can do nothing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so he loses, but they reveal that uh, uh, because they're, they're like, well, it, it, he should have taken my soul. That's what happened before. And he's like, no, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like what happens inside of this game is that you can just keep on going. Um, and the goal of this game, they figure out, is just to keep them there. And so they can't leave his territory until he is defeated, which yeah. is really bad for them. Because what we found out before this is that the portal is opening and it is opening faster than expected. And they need to figure out how to get to it as soon as possible to close it. Um, and they are losing precious time by dealing with Game Master. And yeah, they're so, on a ticking clock stuck playing arcade games with a child. Yes. And what's great too is that uh, Amanuma is like, he's a kid. Like the enemies they've been facing so far have been disaffected humans that have joined the baddies because they have seen the tape mm-hmm. and they know the bad things. And what mm-hmm. we learn here. <laughs> is that Amanuma is not that. He's just real good at video games. And since we found him and was like, I bet I can make you able to do really amazing things with this video game talent that nobody else appreciates. And he, a child, is like, cool. And so he's not there being like mustache twirling villain, like you're stuck in my territory and you can never beat me. He is there being like, this is so fun. I love this game. And now I have a captive audience to play with me and nothing bad happens to you. If you lose, we just get to keep playing and it's fun to win. So I'm just going to keep enjoying winning and we're going to play forever. And, uh, you know, if the demon portal happens, it happens, but we'll be safe because we're playing video games. Yeah. And that takes us into episode 83 called game over. So I'm sure nothing bad will happen except for, uh, Kurama is going to get into this battle uh, inside of the video game with Amanuma, and it turns out that uh, one of Kurama's additional abilities, other than being able to do math really fast, because this next game is like Tetris, but also you have to add up to seven uh, uh-huh. these little blocks in order to get it to break down, or you can yeah. do it to seven in other ways. It's real confusing, and I it, didn't completely understand it. But uh, I did, and it's fascinating. So it's Tetris, but instead of different shapes, each one is a is a two line two two block line. So you have. Uh, you have, you know, two squares making up one one short line block, which is not a piece in Tetris, but is uh, it's sort of like that that vibe. And you can put you can move your block around so that you you've got uh, you've got uh, two numbers on each block. So one one square has one number, the other square has another number, and you can move them so that the numbers are on top of each other or next to each other and of course swap them around to to determine which one is up or down which one is left or right and they can they will fall in a tetris like space 
on top of the other blocks that have fallen. And your goal is to get three blocks in a row, either horizontal, horizontally or vertically, that add up to seven. And I believe the blocks fall with numbers ranging from zero to seven. So you have a lot yeah. of opportunities, but you also have a lot of opportunities to box yourself in yeah, with numbers so, that are not seven. And once so, you make seven, those three blocks vanish. Everything falls kind of like in Tetris and you keep playing until one person's blocks fill up the screen and they can't drop anymore, just like Tetris. But yeah. it's the same rules of Tetris. You're dropping these blocks and they start to drop faster over time, except instead of just fitting shapes with other shapes, you're having to do like high speed location based math. It sounds like the hardest fucking game of all time. Yeah, so Kurama's uh, Kurama's good at it, it seems, but not like crazy good at it. But it turns out that the additional thing that Kurama is going to use is psychological warfare because he's yeah. going to be like, this person that you have allied yourself with, he has not explained to you what is actually going to happen to you at the end of the game because you are stepping in as the Goblin King. And at the end of the game, when you defeat the Goblin King, the Goblin King dies. So when we mm-hmm. defeat you in this game, if you lose this game, you will die. And he's just right. like, well, Sensei wouldn't do this to me. And he's like, Sensei does not care about you in the slightest. You are here to serve a purpose for him. And that is this purpose, which is being able to keep us from getting to him. And that yeah, is and what that, he is using you as. Yeah. And that's why I made a big point earlier to say, like, Game Master is not changing the rules. He's just putting himself and the other players inside of the game's already established rules by using the game cartridge. He is not recreating Goblin King. He is making it bigger and adding them into its sort of like pre-established roles. And so like they are like, you have trapped yourself in the role where if you lose to us, you die. And you got trapped into that position by a manipulative asshole who was lying to you. And uh, Amanuma is just not buying it, but they're like, okay, have you ever used your psychic ability to make a game in which your character dies at the end? And he's like, no, I guess not. And they're like, yeah, because he knew he figured out that you would kill yourself in that instance. And he needed you to stall us. And so he kept you alive here. But what's more, they're like, who suggested you play the Goblin King game. And the kid is like, since we did. So he starts to realize that since we has manipulated him into getting good at using his psychic power on games that don't have life or death stakes to trick him into playing a game with life or death stakes. And he is blissfully unaware because he's a little kid. And the other thing about this that I love because it is so dark and intense is that Kurama realizes this and is like, okay, we have to win because yeah. there is a demon portal that will destroy everybody. So yeah. I have to implicitly kill this kid. And, and by revealing this information, he does. And they say this thing at one point where they're like, Sensui is trying to, Sensui's whole philosophy is that people are inherently bad. And they are essentially, they they basically say something that means that they they believe that since we caused this situation to happen, not because he was trying to kill Game Master, 
but because he was trying to trap them in a no-win scenario where they as heroes have to either give up their battle and be trapped in this game forever, or at least until it's too late because they are too heroic to kill a kid, or they have to admit to themselves that they are child murderers and then have to look themselves in the mirror and try and convince themselves that they're heroes. Like he is yep. Sensui is playing long range psychological warfare with them. And it is genius. Like this yeah. is such a good plot device. Yeah. And meanwhile, in the other room, uh, uh, gourmet is going to be threatening to eat, uh, <laughs> um, to, to is, is threatening to chow to, down on Karama's sword. He, no, it's Kuwabara's sword. Um, oh yeah, Kuwabara's sword. He's the semen covered Kuwabara, and now oh, Gourmet wants to eat his sword. Uh, what? I'm just describing the show. And then, uh, meanwhile, on the couch, Sensei is just sitting there watching TV. And as people <laughs> may not know, what he's watching on TV, um, he's just watching over and over again the uh, the the black tape. He's just, he's just like, he's oh getting man, weird with he's it. He's fucking spiraled <laughs> out of control. And but they, uh, they do have this moment where they're like, the demon portal is going to open. It's going to be like two hours from now. So do you want to start your movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. But the final thing that we need to learn inside of this episode is that, uh, meanwhile, Kuenma has gone to his father and been like, uh, we need a a a way to stop this no matter what. And his father is just like, if worse comes to worse, you're going to remove your pacifier and you're going to basically take the nuclear option to deal with it. Um, and he's just like, yeah. okay. So and then I, they have this moment. So they, they of course, uh, Kurama wins Tetris because Amanuma is so distracted by the fact that he has been fucking played and that his life is on the line in a way he wasn't expecting that he can't focus on the extremely mentally dexterous math Tetris game. And he loses and he just fucking drops dead. And then there's this moment where they're all standing there and Karama is standing off by himself looking away. And you're like, Karama is definitely the most empathetic and soft-hearted of our heroes and you're like this is killing him and they go up to him and they're like karama are you okay and he turns to them and you're expecting to see him just fucking wrecked tears streaming down his face and he just turns and he has this like hard cold look on his face and he's like i don't regret anything that i did and then he and Yusuke have this little side conversation where he is like, I mean, Kurama is a demon. Like, this is not the first time he has caused the death of a child. And Yusuke is just like, Kurama isn't you. And he is not, he's a half demon. And he has lived among humans for, you know, a decade and a half. He is deeply hurt by this. And I know that because I know who he is. And it is just this, like, kind of gorgeous haunting moment with these characters um anyways stick with us after these credits we'll talk about what's coming on next week blake and spencer get jumped is made by forever summer productions and presented as part of the geekly grind podcast network sound editing is done by rashad english he's our level 13 sound wizard 
13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes 37 through 39. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to be talking about, uh, you know, uh, ways to make your arms survive in the winter months. It's really, really important to remember that what you should do is that you should call your friend so that she can berate you for hours when yeah. you're just like, can you just... Do the work and not bitch at me about it for once. Damn it, Winry.